All right, I'm here with my good friend, Ernest Carvalho. We've known each other for quite some time. We've been involved in politics together. We do a lot of community stuff together. Uh, we drink together, we party together. He's just basically one of my really good friends. Uh, so Ernest, why don't you go ahead and uh, introduce yourself. Aloha everyone, my name is Ernest Carvalho. Yeah. So, I was born and raised here in Honolulu, Hawaii, right down the road in Kalihi. I now live in Chinatown. Love Chinatown, it's my community. And I'm very active in um, Chinatown, along with James Logue. We do a lot of community work, trying to better things out here, trying to help our houseless situation by being compassionate, but at the same time making sure that the people and the businesses can survive here, you know, because we do have a big houseless problem here, which is turning pretty violent lately. <laughs> and you know what's interesting is, is today, when I was just walking over here to record this, I saw uh, a homeless structure and as I was walking past, I was looking at it. You can hear music coming out of it. I thought to myself, you know, people talk about the pyramids as if, if humans couldn't have built the pyramids. But, hey, man, humans can build a lot of interesting structures because, I mean, when, when I looked at, at this structure and then even other ones, I'm like, man, that's like some ingenuity uh, out of nothing, out of, like, recyclables. I mean, they're recycling in a sense, um, you know, in a sense, it's it's not funny. It's sad. But in another sense, I find it intriguing um, when you look at some of the things that they come up with. Yeah, <laughs> it is. It is intriguing. Um, it's interesting. I walk past it every single day. But the problem is, to be honest, it's an eyesore. And, you know, I have a compassion for the houses out here. In fact, I know a lot of these houses out here and I try to help them. But it is an eyesore and what's even worse is to see them having to live in this condition while the state does nothing at all <laughs> i understand we're in covid and all that but the yeah. state has had a whole year to help and figure out what's going on to retrain people and to stop people from being houseless more people will be houseless because of covid people that were never houseless before and how do we handle that situation <laughs> well i mean if you look at uh how our state legislature handles everything um actually it's not just ours it's just a lot of them yeah they just raise taxes um they'll try to raise every tax that they can they'll raise the fuel tax talk about climate change but they don't understand how the fuel tax impacts the uh impoverished communities most who drive the the gasoline powered vehicles who just can't throw their gasoline powered vehicle away for a prius you know <laughs> like it doesn't it doesn't make sense but just real quick um for anyone listening, I want to say thank you for uh, being interested. And then I just want to cheers with the homie here. Ernest, thank you for uh, being a part of my adventure. Okole Maluna. <coughs> oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Okole Maluna. <laughs> that means what? Bottoms up in Hawaiian. Yeah, it's interesting. I was looking at the, the news today, and uh, the newest thing that I saw was this legalizing... To legalize or not, KITV4 Island News, uh, recreational pot use closer to becoming law in Hawaii. It says lifting the prohibition would allow recreational marijuana to be sold and allow residents to grow up to six plants. Oh, thank you. Thank you, sirs and ma'ams, for telling me how many plants I'm allowed to grow. Thank you. <laughs> well, I've been watching this bill go through and... They've been trying. They've been really trying to um, pull this through for many years now. The sad thing is that 
Hawaii is way behind the curve. We're way behind the other states that have that have already legalized it. They want to legalize it here, and so they call it legalization. But yet they'll still fine you $130, if I'm not mistaken, if you have just a little over a certain percent. I'm not sure what the quantity is at this time. But that's not legalization to me. So yeah. they're going to start going after people that has a little bit more, and they're going to fine them. I mean, how it much? Says, it says, uh, let's see. Wednesday, a pair of Senate committees passed a measure that would allow the possession of up to 30 grams of marijuana, or just over an ounce. <laughs> so, but they're still going to um, find people with more than that, and so they're not going to put them into jail. And it makes no sense. What they need to do is do a clean sweep. Stop it. Stop finding anybody. Legalize it. And then turn around and go backwards and start pulling people out of the jail systems that are in jail because of marijuana use. That will take away from the overcrowding that we have now. That well, will generally do that. And that's what kills me too. Okay, so here we have the Democrats. They got the House. They got the presidency. Pretty much have the Senate. Um, are we, are we going to see the legalization of marijuana, which we know um, has created a situation of incarceration for minorities that's way out of control? And you can argue that, oh, okay, well, nobody has to use, buy, or sell marijuana. It's still illegal, blah, blah, blah. But, eh, whatever. The reality is it's a plant. Um, a lot of people are more functional and more tolerable when they're smoking, yeah? So... It would be nice to see the Democratic Party, you know, take it off of the list and, and make it just completely legal. Yeah, like, it doesn't make sense. And then all those people who are in prison who have the low-level um, marijuana crimes, as long as, you know, the problem is, is they, they, they do like Kamala Harris did. They attach, you know, oh, he had a couple grams of marijuana, but, oh, he fought the police back or... He, he ran, so there's these charges on top of charges, but they could at least wipe out the marijuana charge. Right, they could wipe out the marijuana charge. It's time that we start looking at this, because these um, petty um, crimes that they've made, that they've criminalized, only affects the minority, the black people of America, the brown-skinned people of America. Us here in Hawaii, the Hawaiian population, it really affects all of us really bad. And it they only incarcerate the minority. These laws were made to incarcerate minorities. The thing about um, the legalization of marijuana, if we just go ahead and legalize it and start growing our own, we'd be able to make enough money to start paying for things in the state of Hawaii. Think about the money that we can make off of the sales of Pakalolo, as we say in Hawaii. Yeah, I mean, we could. You know, how much is the state spending to have Department of Health do these reviews for these medical marijuana cards, to print the cards, the whole administrative process for the medical marijuana. There's so much tax revenue just being wasted on that. You know, yeah, okay, it may have created a couple jobs in state government, but the overall thing should be to, um, I don't really care about a few jobs when we could be legalizing it. More people could be creating right. Right. A whole new industry from it, more jobs. Right, and do we want the state to control it? Really, come on. Hell no. We don't need, and I'm sorry, I love all my friends out there, we don't need no more state workers controlling this. What we need is less people in government where possible to do 
the work. We have enough people in government, and maybe it's time to start thinning it out. I think the legalization of marijuana and leaving it out of the hands of the state is the best thing we could do. I mean, <laughs> well, the com- the comments on this article. <laughs> oh, there's a one one person comments. I like it so much. I've been growing my own for years. <laughs> like really, especially in like Hawaii, California. Like who hasn't? Well, uh, and you know, we all grew up around it. Um, it was in my generation. It was in generations before me. It always, it was always there. It would always be there. It's yeah. time for us to be proactive and legalize it completely. No fines, no nothing. Take the low-level criminals out of OCCC or Halava that were in there for marijuana usage, nothing else. Bring them out. I bet you if we do that, that'll open up a lot more cells. We must look towards the future, and marijuana and hemp are also future of Hawaii. We can sell our pakalolo all over the world. We have the best in the world, so let's make use of it. Yeah, let's make that, money off of it. But the, I would argue with that. That's too. That's too. Uh, that's too forward thinking for government. <laughs> it's even even people who run for office when they get in. You know, they if they've never worked in government, they learn real quick. Like, oh wow, like all these dreams and visions I've had. Uh, everything I was campaigning on, I really can't do. I have no say when I when I go in there because one, I'm a freshman, I'm a newbie, and two, there's so much bureaucracy because there's so much vested interest in how government's operating. It's no wonder well, nothing works. Well, not, nothing works because the government, the people in office, are afraid. They're afraid to challenge the system. They're afraid if they challenge the system, they won't be back. Well, they shouldn't worry about that. If they're in for two years, concentrate on that two years. Do that time and make it work. Don't be afraid of the establishment. Go for it. Because right now, the polls are showing that people, not just in Hawaii, but people all over America, want the legalization of marijuana. Yeah, we'll we'll see. But the bottom line, if we (laughs) continue to not legalize marijuana... They also want stimulus checks of $2,000, but... (laughs) <laughs> yeah. but if we don't li- if we continue to leave marijuana and it's a schedule um what schedule a is it sure? schedule one oh, or something se- I forget. yeah i'm not too sure but if we leave it where it's at and keep it this way we're going to still be picking on the minorities on the hawaiians the locals they're the ones that's going to go in mm-hmm. and this is a criminalization for me of the minorities and the criminalization of the indigenous people. Uh, that's got to stop. Well, the one good thing that I've seen Biden actually do so far, and, you know, I'm a Democrat. I ran as a Democrat. You're a Democrat. No, or no, you no, were, no. You're a former I, Democrat. I, I, we'll I am in, a former we'll, Democrat. <laughs> we'll get into that in a second. But, you know, um, federal prisons can no longer be privatized. That's what I understand, but I, I haven't looked into it. I don't know if it was the government, the federal government should do a study into not utilizing private prisons or just in general, no new contracts for private prisons. Because like a lot of the executive orders that presidents sign are, are, are kind of just like, we will look into this, you know, oh, I have an executive order, I'm going to do this. But it's like, ah, well, you know, we're going to look into doing this. And it's a good... Uh, it's good politically because it makes you look like you're, yeah, you're working. I, yeah, I really haven't looked into that much. I do know that 
there was an executive order. Um, there would be no more well, from the federal from the federal side. There would be no more um, privatizations right, of yeah. the church. But what does that do on the state side? Are the states going to follow up? That's the question. Because the states I mean, still can us. do what they're doing. Um, they're, I don't believe in privatizations of our jails. I mean, to me, it creates slave labor, and exactly what it is because that's what it is. Let's call it what it is: yeah. slave labor. And you think about it. Every lawmaker who supports these uh, these types of like okay, let's say marijuana, like okay, we we know what it's causing in society, uh, the negative impacts, the incarceration, the minorities who are who are mainly in prison because of it. Like it it takes the local politicians, in my opinion, to stand up and do the same thing Biden did. Said, hey, okay, no more state prisons. Governor Ige was just. Uh, we're just talking about looking for a, a, a private contractor for a new prison. <laughs> like, what? Not, not like the, but like to run the prison. Like, uh, the state should be, yeah. yeah. The, for me, the state is responsible and they should be the ones running the prisons. No private entity should be running a prison because to me, that takes too much, puts too much power in the hands of the private business and will end up creating slave labor. I mean, yeah. that that's all to it. I don't know how else to say it. And I think, mean, like honestly, how do you how do you put someone in prison for a a, a plant, dude, that grows naturally that you really don't have to do anything with, and it's just but you can go and you can buy a pack of cigarettes which have like like eighteen different chemicals in it. It's not a natural. It's the tobacco plant, but right. then there's like eighteen different things. That's okay. I mean, in my opinion, no one's perfect, yeah? No one, no one goes every day following every single law on the books and, and being kind and courteous to everyone. Like, yeah, okay, marijuana is illegal. People are smoking it. It's illegal. People are growing it. It's illegal. They should be punished is what people would say. But the other thing is like, yo, why? What's so bad about it? No, and, and that's the flip side of it. But when you, even when you go back and look at the history... The threat that the marijuana industry, the cannabis industry, the hemp industry would have had on like paper, and then you realize these are—that's where these laws come from because it's the corporate interests. Yeah. So the legalization of marijuana would threaten the big tobacco companies, I think. Well, it would threaten. I mean, I'm, Governor Ige had a chance to to legalize the um, hemp industry, the commercial hemp industry, but he didn't. And he killed the bill. Yeah, he he killed the bill. I mean. Hemp. Why? Yeah, I don't. And, and then COVID hits and the economy tanks, tanks. and everyone's so, like, "We got to diversify." Yeah, but it's and hemp would have been great to grow because <laughs> hemp makes a lot of things from yeah. ropes to clothing and all that. It had been it would have been an agriculture industry that we should have had started. You know, COVID hit. Why are they waiting to do anything? They haven't done anything. So we lost a lot of people lost their jobs during COVID, and I understand that you know not everybody's going to be able to switch and change jobs from the hotel business into another type of technical business oh, yeah. or agricultural business. But the younger generation can adapt and will do it. The older ones, maybe not. But why, is it, why wasn't there some type of training set up? We've had a whole year that we could have retrained a lot of workers into different fields, fields that would have been productive after we come out of COVID, especially after we come in out of COVID. But instead, we did nothing. Yeah, we and can't even pay them unemployment checks. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, Hawaii is like one of the worst states. We're not the only state with unemployment issues, but no, we're, we are one of the worst yeah. states with unemployment and, issues. 
you know, that's not even just Governor Ige's thing. That's governors before him that delayed and, and canceled contracts. And, and well, arguably, you would say, you know, at an executive level, you have to look at where your budget needs are. At those times, maybe it was just like, hey, look, our unemployment is not that bad. It's still working. The systems, I mean, the systems do work, but they were not ready for a, a natural disaster right. like that. So COVID. correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, the state budget runs about $2.1 billion. And out of that $2.1 billion, 82% of that is spent on schools. Um, through, through the CIP or whatever, I believe something like that. I believe it's like a third. A third of our budget goes um, to education. About eighty-two percent is, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, that I'm not sure. I don't have and, a yeah. So um, I think I've been looking to that, and like I say, I may be wrong, but I think something around that. But that is a lot of money, you know. So how do we change our education system to make it right for? Not only our students, but our teachers. We got to remember we have to have teachers that we can retain here. Our teachers get getting underpaid, yeah. and they're leaving a lot. So, as long as we bring in teachers, they stay for a year or two, then they leave because they realize they cannot even afford to live in Hawaii. So, how do we fix that problem? Because that is a major issue. Our education system, as far as I'm concerned, has gone from one of the best in the nation to the worst. Yeah. Uh, what do we do about it? During the Kingdom of Hawaii, the over close to ninety, I would say ninety to ninety-nine percent of the people were literate in the Kingdom of Hawaii. What happened when we became a territory? Oh, what happened when the overthrow happened? What happened when we became a Repu republic of Hawaii, then a territory and a state? We have lost that educational edge that we had in the rural as a sovereign nation. Ah, yes. I mean, the story of many countries, <laughs> former countries, many kingdoms. That um, we were taken over by colonizers and our education went down. We were, as a sovereign nation, the most literate nation in the world, more literate than the United States, Great Britain, and you name it, we were. We were the most literate state. Not only that, we were the first state to employ electricity, lighting, indoor um, plumbing, bathtubs. I mean, and now all of a sudden, after the overthrow, we went down. What happened? How do we attribute that? Corporate greed. Corporate greed by a few people. And that is a problem. Today in America and the world, we are individuals, and I respect us as individuals, but we must learn to become a collective. We must learn to work together so that everyone can be taken care of, not just a few. And it's sad. Yeah, but... That's kind of the American mentality, though, or the U.S. mentality, because America consists of the uh, the few continents. Yeah, America yeah, the consists, entirety of the continents. Yeah. Yeah. So America consists of the few. Only the few gets to taste that cherry on the top. Well, I mean, in the U.S. itself, that's it's a because so many. It's a, it's a country of of immigrants. Yeah, so everyone just came here with that. I got to grind. I got to make it. And we have never evolved into a country where you see, like, uh, in Asian countries, China and such, they, uh, they're a collective. It's for the community. For us, it's like, no. I mean, dude, even look at, look at like, at the neighborhood level. It's yeah. like everyone yeah. out for themselves. But now, as you said, that is a Western society way of living. That is an American and Western society right, way of living. We're, we're here in Hawaii. And our way in Hawaii was also a collective 
Well, because no, when you take the opoires and all that, when the U.S. came over and started influencing, you know, it destroyed our, it destroyed yeah. the way of life that we had here. One that was not just of an individual because we were all individuals, but one was one that was of a collective where everyone worked together to make sure that everyone was fed, to make sure that everyone was taken care of. You don't see that anymore here in Hawaii. It is lost. That aloha is lost. I don't say aloha spirit because that is a, that aloha spirit word combination was something that was <laughs> created by the Americans to create more tourism. Yeah, you got to bring for that me, tourism. Yeah, for Throw me, some tikis up there. For me, it's aloha is just a very special love. You know, that law, the breath of God. You know, so. you know it's, it's funny to me when people, they come to Hawaii um, I think if you're visiting and you just stay in like Waikiki area that's you know whatever because you got pretty much what you're going on vacation for but I think if you move to Hawaii which plenty of people do and then you just don't you don't go outside of Waikiki or, or Kailua you just stay up on the north shore and you're doing the fire circles and like like I have I have friends who are here who have zero local friends whether it be local filipino hawaiian chinese yeah, they're Samoan, just, they're all friends Ricans, with, portuguese yeah, all the local people they're all friends with people who also just moved here and um admittedly it took me a while um when i got out the army i got off active duty in 2009 i started college here and i was able to well around 2010 i had my my good friend Kaleo Nakapoi, yeah. who, he, he was studying law at the time. I don't know if you ever met him. Um, super nice dude, funny guy, super smart, uh, really driven. He's Mason? Sagan. Mason? No, no, no. But um, that, oh, that was Kaleo Gange. Okay. Was, yeah. yeah. But um, he's a super nice guy, and he's, he's doing many things, big things. He's, he's got, he's a, gr- he's a hustler, man. He has to... <laughs> I'm sure he's probably paying off law school debts and whatever, but he, he was actually my first um, male local friend. Like, we would go out, party, and kick it. And once you start getting immersed in, in the actual, like, local culture and, and get to meet the local people, it's like, oh, there's a whole other side to Hawaii, like the real side. It's like if you, if you go to where I'm from, Pittsburgh, right? But you just stay like in the touristy shopping areas, but then you come over my neighborhood, you're like, oh shit, that's Pittsburgh? Okay. No, I go to McKee's Rocks. <laughs> <laughs> McKee's Rocks is like, trash. Yeah, you, but that's back when I was younger, that is where the good parties were at. 100% and, so. <laughs> trash. It's like <laughs> yeah. a, a meth town now. Oh, uh, maybe now. Not when, not when I was out there back at, back in the days. <laughs> yeah, it's like... It was back in the days, the old Three River Stadium was there, you know, Heinz Fit wasn't there. I used to tell my friend, I said, bro, you should, uh, you should run for, like, mayor of, 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 of McKee's Rocks uh, because, like, you're a shoo-in. Like, it's just so run down or whatever. Like, maybe, hey, maybe you could do something good. Who knows? But there's, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what they do for revenue but, there. So, for me, when we bring up McKee's Rocks, because, like I said, um, I had good friends in Pittsburgh, and they took me out there when we were younger. I was in the Air Force. Took me out there to go party, and I was on some vacation time. Chair Force. So, um, Air Force, the Chair. best. Chairs. But anyway, so I think about McCree's Rock when it was a good place to go. You bring it up, and you talk about it. 
where now it's a bad place to go. <laughs> so it, it, it's the same correlation as when I grew up in Hawaii, in Kali, we always came, mom, grandma, 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 grandpa, and all of them, aunties and uncles, we all came to Chinatown. This is where we bought our food, our um, vegetables, our meats, and everything else. This is where we bought our floral lace. This is where we went, to sh this is where we went shopping when 4th Street, 4th Street Mall wasn't even there. It was a street there, the old crest, Woolworths, and all that. This is where we did <laughs> our shopping. And the thing about it, when I think about it, and the correlations, it was beautiful back then. You could smell the food, you could smell the flowers. Now Chinatown, you think about it, all you smell is urine and defecation all over the place. I mean, it's, it's sad, and you can see how run down Chinatown has become, that our own local people will not come down here no more. They're afraid. They're afraid. It's gotten scary. It's gotten that bad. So that's a correlation. So it just didn't happen here. But from now on, oh, I'm saying, he's right. But that's because we, the people, have allowed this to happen because we continue to vote in the same politicians who have done nothing. <laughs> they continue yeah. doing nothing. The only thing these politicians have done is put money in their own pockets. Well, the other side of it, too, is um, people move, towns die. And then, like at McKee's Rocks, well, like... When you look across that bridge to the north side of Pittsburgh, where I'm from, you look at McKee's Rocks, and you're like, oh, my God. You look past the strip club onto the bridge, <laughs> and, and you, just, you just dream. You can, hear, you can hear the stadium. You can hear the fans, and you just dream, like, oh, man, I got to get across that bridge and, and, <laughs> and, and really get into the mix. Um, yeah, that's what people do. They just move so the towns die. I mean, Pittsburgh was still town. What are you talking about? They had a lot yeah. of work there. Now they don't. Um, Hawaii. Well, it's, it's, it's on the comeback. It, it is. But I mean, people left. Look, again. I left. So, but you're talking about here in Hawaii, our correlation is the same thing. A lot of people in Hawaii are living, leaving Hawaii. But it's only the local people that are le leaving. And they're all going to what they call the Ninth Island. And it, that people, let's get one thing straight. There is no such thing as a ninth island at this time. The next ninth island coming up will be Loi, which is coming off of the um, big island. But there is no ninth island. Vegas is not an island. It is not an oh, island, people. They're going to find a way to tax our that geography. Island. It is not an island. I know everybody was going to say, well, oh, just what we call it. Well, you know, stop doing that because Hawaii is your home and you all need to come back. Because if you don't come back, what's going to happen is your children, your grandchildren will never know Hawaii in the way we've known it. And Hawaii will never, ever be the same because there will be no more Kanakas, no more Hawaiians, no more locals here anymore yeah. because it's going to be overtaken by corporations and become foreign-owned. And we need to stop that. So come on back. I know you guys say yeah, it's tough. The, it is tough. It's how they're going to come back. It is. I mean, it is tough. We need to start re-educating our people because right now, even I and the family, I can see that. A lot of children, they're getting a good education and on my side of the family. But they're deciding they're going to leave Hawaii. It's just too expensive. And we've made it this way. We've made it so that only foreign investors can buy in Hawaii. And we got to stop that. And we got to start thinking about our people, our local people. I mean, it's really bad. I mean, you talk about just regular people like you coming to Hawaii. Yeah. I know a lot of people from oh, yeah, I the States that came to Hawaii and turned around in less than two years left because they could not make it. You and I know a lot of people that have oh, left. Yeah. And I'm not talking about the local people, but just... 
the uh, mainland people that's coming in. Yeah, uh, well, pe- uh, it's just like the homeless who come here. It's like they come here and they try, and they're like, "Nah, I can't," because it's it's almost like New York City. You're paying, you know, you're gonna pay what fifteen hundred dollars for a studio apartment, which is ridiculous, in a building that was built in like the seventies. You can't get ahead in Hawaii if you're born and raised here because everything costs too much. We cannot put money away for savings. If I was born and raised somewhere else in the mainland, I have a chance to make money, to live in a nice two to three bedroom place for $600 a month rent. You know what I'm saying? And I can put money away because my electric is going to cost me less than $20 a month. I mean, everything's cheaper. So people in the mainland can save. And that's a buying power they have over us local people. Because now they save the money. What are they doing? They're taking that money and not necessarily coming to Oahu, but they're heading over to the Big Island, local <laughs> yeah. Okeavi, and they're buying out the Big Island, big times. Well, I think, I think people who aren't watching on the Big Island, they really need to 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 really just start watching their elected officials who's representing them and where their money's coming from, and what they're supporting because, you know, um, Big Island is is the next attraction, you know. They're only going to build up Oahu so much before they say, ah, you know, we've made enough. We're only, we can't, ca- you know, we're capped out there. We're going to go to the Big Island. There's more space. We can do more. Of, of course they could. And they need to keep the Big Island more agriculture. I mean, if one senator gets his way out here, who knows? Um, downtown Honolulu, all of Honolulu is going to look like um, Singapore. <laughs> all these high rises, they look a lot. Look the same, like 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 we live in a communistic country. It's yeah. going to be like that, and we got to stop that because this and is it, not what Hawaii is. It doesn't make. I like the, I like the. I mean, I like the idea. More housing, great, but I think that's the problem with a lot of politicians is, uh, they just they have these ideas that they're just like, oh, we need more housing. Okay, let's let's build more housing. You're like, wait, 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 no, no, no. What are the underlying root causes of why we have a housing crisis? Because if you build, let's just say, 30,000 new homes. Who's going to get them? Who's going to get them? Who's going to get them? You can who's, say, the, well... The foreign people coming gonna in, help, the people from the mainland. You, we're going to help locals get we're first. Not, and it's not, it's it's, not going to work. It's not going to happen that way. And the bottom line is we need more housing to house our local people first before anyone else. I'm not saying Hawaiians. I'm not saying... Chinese. I'm saying local people. All local people because we're all equal. So let's start... Ha- Helping our local people get into homes. And it is going to be impossible if we continue to go the way we're going. Because yeah, we're not building nothing but high-end homes. Well, and if you think about it, we have our homeless population is like, what, six, 7,000, something like that? I forget what the point in time count was right. for this year. And I actually think that's an undercount. I think it's more well, of course. like over 10,000. But, you know, if we are expecting to house those, plus the people who need housing who are living at home, like second, third generation, right? you know, they're all living in the same household. Like, uh, what? Like that's the, and, and then there's no policies to, to, to ease the burden on the working class. You know, all these people, they run on, oh, we're going to help, you know, we're going to help the economy for the working class, blah, blah, blah. And then you go in and they're like, hey, fuel tax, uh, vehicle weight tax, we're raising, and then they change it. They don't do a tax on a lot of things. They do a fee. Oh, we're going to raise the fee. 
oh, okay, please do, because my wages went up. No, my wages did not go up because we make below the national average right. for all these jobs yeah, in Hawaii. You know, like, <laughs> and it's just it just doesn't, that, it blows my mind, the thought process of, of the legislature. It, it kills me. Yeah, it, it's not just that. It's everything is taxed the hell out of reach of the people. I just went down to the store um, earlier before you got over here, and I bought one bag of groceries, over $50. I just wanted a small bottle of Clorox. Um, what was only like 99 cents about um, three months ago is now $4. I mean, it's just, it's just <laughs> yeah. getting ridiculous. People cannot afford to live in Hawaii, and we must find a way to make it affordable for everyone to live in Hawaii. So we need to start thinking about well, how then, we can do But you do know what then they say? The then box. they say, oh, okay, we're going to raise the minimum wage. Okay, I get that. I want the minimum wage to be raised. Or, sorry... To be, to be raised, but you, you have to understand that if James Logue owns a business and right now we're kind of just, just making it, a lot of these businesses don't make a, 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 a huge profit. They're just selling a product or a service. So, but, but wait, I might have 10 employees, but if I'm barely making it as it is and I'm not paying myself a, a huge luxurious salary, but yes, I built that company from the ground up, my life experiences and everything. Yeah, I am going to pay myself good, but I can't afford to pay all of these people more. So you're going to lose jobs. Okay. And, and you got to be able to replace them. You will lose jobs. And here's the thing I say about that $15 an hour. Okay. I believe that we should be making a livable wage. Everyone should make a livable wage. But we must understand one thing also minimum wage was not put in place for the people. Minimum wage was put in place for kids to get jobs out of high schools and all that not for them to live on so this is why education came into play is a big part but the problem is we stymied education because not all children are going to go into the colleges we got to rid of the trade schools which we should bring back the trade schools to help people because trade schools will pay more money so people will not be living on minimum wage but i agree with that but and as you say your businesses and all that i hear people say and we turn around and says james Logue. If you cannot pay your person $15 an hour, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. then you don't deserve to belong in business. And I think that's, that's a wrong a attitude. That's a fallacious because, argument. That's because so gross. Because if you do that, that means the only businesses that are going to survive are corporations. Yeah. Do you understand that? The I same believe ones that you're protesting against. 90% <laughs> okay. of the businesses in America is what keep America afloat. Well, so, you know, see, the, what I see the problem is, is, is minimum wage was instituted, so yes, you're going to people deserve there should be a minimum wage or yes just like in hawaii they get away with paying below the national average because we need the jobs right so they're like uh, these people will work for whatever um but the problem was when minimum wage was enacted yeah it was for those like the the teens and all that and, and, and yeah you should get experience but i i don't know if anyone ever fathomed that Someone in their 60s or who or 65 is getting Social Security and retirement still can't make a living because of the terrible economic policies that, yeah, they have to go work and, yeah, they end up – Right. Because most elderly people aren't going to get a good good job unless they no, had no. a really good skill. But most of them, you know, they have to go work at McDonald's. They, they have to and they're making minimum wage, which is not helping them. And actually, it's not just the elderly anymore. It's people – in their mid-20s to the mid-40s that are still stuck in those minimum wage jobs. 
And it's not that they didn't want to go to college. A lot of them could not even afford to pay for colleges because of the outrageous prices of colleges. And in Hawaii, you have to work two to three jobs just to survive. So technically, there is, unlike you and I who were in the service, we had the chance to go to college and all that. But for others coming out of school and all that, it's tough. You have to work oh, two, yeah. to, two to three jobs in Hawaii to survive. You cannot afford to go to college. That means you have to have a partner who's willing to pay for everything and work their butts off while one of you go to school to make mm -hmm. it, to get you out. And, and it's a and tough it, thing. Yeah, and, and it can be done. People can do it. There's different circumstances for people, I think. But, um, well, obviously. But, uh, you know, when I was coming up, I was born in 85, yeah? So when I was growing up, it a was like... Pop. Yeah. It was like, it was like yo, you, you have to go to college. Bro, college is the only way you're going to do anything. Now, I grew up doing construction with my father, but being told my entire childhood, like, oh, you got to go to college, you got to wear a suit and tie, you got you to gotta have a desk, you know, it's just like embedded in you. And a whole generation or so was sold on going to college. And these colleges were just creating degrees, bro. Like, That's mostly, right. When, <laughs> degrees that don't do nothing for people in the job field. When the post 9-11 GI Bill came out. Which was great. Which is it started my the semester. That's why I got out of the army. I said, "Oh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna make more on the GI Bill than I do in the army." In the army, yeah, because I was making. I think it was like started off at like 2,400, and that was tax free. So, you know, it's now it's up to like 28 or, or more, but and that's tax free a month. I was like, "Whoa, I'm getting out. I'm going to college." But you know, uh, a lot of people didn't have that. But I just think, in a sense. No one really promoted the idea like, hey, you, you grew up in construction. You should do construction. You're going to make way more. And I grew up poor. I didn't have the financial literacy. I didn't have the knowledge of the economy and what jobs were doing. What We didn't have those counselors in school. Yeah, so it was just like, oh, I'm going to join the military um, and do that thing and probably be a cop because I was military police. So I was like, oh, I'm going to get out and be a cop. But... You can't get out of the military as military police and be a cop. You still have to take all the, you have to take the exam, you have to go through the whole process, and you have to go through the selection. You just give veterans preference. <laughs> I always tell people, like, oh, if you're going to go into the military, do, like, IT, because you get all those certifications, especially in the Air Force, uh, or do, like, finance. Like, yeah, it might not be the manly thing to do, sit behind a desk, but... Bro, when you go to Iraq or Afghanistan or North Korea or the next place, you know, who knows? You're in, you're in a desk, and when it's snowing outside, you got a heater. Right, right. No, no, I know, you know? exactly. When it's hot that. outside, you got an air conditioner. Yeah, just, yeah, yeah. And you get the yeah. same pay. You get the yeah, same, same pay, pay, same benefits. It doesn't make a difference. Yeah. It really doesn't make a difference. But the bottom line is what you just said. You're embedded and taught that college was the only way to succeed. Trade schools is a great option and should be an option out there for all our children. Not everybody is going to go to college. Some are going to go right out of school and become entrepreneurs right off the bat. Some are going to college. Others are going to be in the trade fields. Our schools should have technical schools from intermediate schools and up. Well, I like um, there was an article yesterday in the Star Advertiser, and it's just, a, it's just about that, actually. Segwaying over into this, says, uh, internships jumpstart construction careers for Hawaii students. The Career Connections program in the building trades has mushroomed to 26 high schools on six islands since it started in Kahuku, McKinley, and Waianae in 2019. 
It says, uh, the Department of Education partnered with the Hawaii Carpenters Apprentice and Training Fund to create it. <laughs> and this is awesome. It says, juniors and seniors who have completed certain courses in a construction curriculum at those schools are eligible to apply for a seven-week summer internship paying $15 an hour. Uh, that's awesome. And yeah, okay, it's $15 an hour. doesn't seem like much, but... but- when you're just an apprentice, yeah. Because you're just getting out of high school, too. You know what I'm saying? And you're so. getting, like, you don't have to go to four years of a university to learn math. You know, I had to take art. I was like, what? Art for what? And not only that, you don't have to worry about paying back all that student yeah. loan debt. And that's a problem we have because people, are, when they get out of colleges, they're paying their student loans back. Yeah. And so nothing is going back into the economy. <laughs> yes. Yeah, no, it's, it's going right into Fannie Mae's pocket or something. What a scam. <laughs> well, yeah. check this out. A journeyman carpenter after four years as an apprentice. Four years. So you could go to college for four years. Right. Or? Or you can get $50, five zero and 50 cents an, an hour. hour. Yeah, and that, and you're also in the union, so guess what? Yeah. Think about all the other benefits you that's are coming with you're that. You're so taken you, care from of. From your medical and everything else. You're making $50, something dollars an hour in four years, and you're not paying nobody nothing back. Yeah, that's so just all you. all that is buying power now. That gives you the buying power to get out there, to buy a home, and to start investing in your family, and your life, and your children, and your future. When you're coming out of high, um, college in four years, you have a debt. You don't have time to invest because you're too busy paying off a debt. And the article goes on. It says, uh, this 18-year-old, um, they graduated from Waipahu in May, completed a summer internship with Hawaiian Dredging and Construction Company last summer, and he was hired right afterwards as a carpenter's apprentice and is now making $20.20 an hour on a high-rise project. Wow, that's more than you, aren't it? <laughs> I think that's about how much I make. Yeah, and I knew you were for the state. Yeah, but I mean, I have a master's degree and I can't get a job with that. Right, like, and, what? You're, and you're still paying off your loans. Yeah, well, yeah, because I mean, I didn't have to, but I took, I've seen friends who used the GI Bill right. and then they graduated and they didn't have a job right away. So, so they, they were, were like, like struggling. Yeah. So, and one of them told me, they said, yo, take the student loans your last semester so you can have something to fall back on. And I didn't need them because uh, I, I had got hired at the state, um, state House of Representatives. Right. But, you know, I was glad I had it. But so, I mean, it, it's, it's tough. So you're weighing between what this young man did and kudos to him and for where he's at. Because, you know, in four years, he's going to be making the big five zero or more an hour, especially probably more as time goes on. But And he's got no student loans to pay. That's what I'm saying. Not everyone... It's meant to go to college. Not everyone is meant to do trade school. Yeah. So and let the child decide and help mold them and put them into the right areas. We have a lot of people here in Hawaii that can be in the agriculture business. They can be in the construction business, the carpenters union and all that. So, it, I mean, it's, it's awesome. My middle boy found out that he's now with local 745, I think, something like that. And it's a carpenters union, yeah? Oh, nice. So, yeah, so he's, he's in school right now. You know, so and then once he gets out of school, then you know he gets. So I, I feel that, and that's excellent. But uh, he's happy, and he's proud. You know, you know Dylan. So, oh yeah, and, yeah, yeah. So um, no, that's but, awesome. Yeah, so I mean, it's awesome. And he finally told me, so like, oh, <laughs> awesome. I thought that was great because you know, 
I helped him get through um, school and graduate. Um, he's not a person that should be going to universities right. because that's not who he is. That's, that's not, not what he does. He's not built that way. He's built to do construction and to do carpentry and all that, and that's what he enjoys. And that's where he belongs. So now, it less a burden off for me because once he start bringing in that money, and you know, I help him a lot. I, I, I give a lot, but I know once he get that money coming in, he doesn't have a student loan he has to pay out. He can start investing in his family immediately. Well, he, he can, can start, start buying, buying stuff. Yeah, yeah. He, yes. Christmas <laughs> presents, birthday <laughs> presents. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not worried about that. But you know what I'm saying. Hey, he can I mean, take I, you too. I, I, I love the boys, and the, these boys mean a lot to me. But I'm saying, I just want to see them do great and there are the the boys are doing great and i can't complain but when dylan told me this i was psyched i was happy I googled where it was the carpenter june just to make sure yeah she's in it and i'm it's legit yeah, yeah no that's legit yeah. so like, i was like you know proud very 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 proud and um, but the point being it shows that not everyone is meant to go to the next level of education they get educated in different ways yeah I mean, you yeah. have to because I know a lot of people that are in college and went to college. And the bottom line, they do have a lot of book smarts, but they have no street smarts whatsoever. And if you don't know yeah, how to balance, no, that, no common yeah, sense, no common sense, it's terrible. And you see it all the time. I know a lot of people that got all these master's degrees and all that. And what are they doing? They're driving taxis. They can't even get a job in the field they went to school for. Well, and it's it's interesting too because people, <clears throat> a lot of people, they're not diverse in in what they research. So. Whatever the institution they're studying at, whatever their curriculum is, and we know there's there's more left-leaning universities and stuff. I'm yep. lucky because uh, I went to Hawaii Pacific University. It's a, a private college, but very diverse teachers. And I, I have never had one teacher push uh, any type of... Um, ideology on rather be right wing or left wing or, yeah, yeah like that yeah. like what you hear from like um, uc berkeley and things um I never they were always just it was always open discussion it was sad because when we were having class even during discussion they when they uh, they allowed for in class classes separated you know but topics came up like uh, black lives matter movement and things like that and people were afraid to talk and the teacher said look you can give your opinion on, on what you think about the organization of Black Lives Matters, the, the actual organization itself or the movement. She said, that's what we're here for, to have the actual um, discourse about it. And then everyone opened up and they, you know, debated and shared their opinions. And it was great because that's what a university is supposed and, to be. And, and that's what it should be open for discussion. But, you know, I look and I see a lot of these other places and you said everybody wasn't saying nothing. Today, people are afraid to say anything. They say they they believe if they say something, they're going to get attacked. Yeah, and, the and they problem, probably will. And 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 they will, no doubt about that. The problem with America today is no one's willing to talk. It's got to be my way or the highway. Or get your ass out of here. Bottom line. I mean, and it's I interesting mean, it's because whether you're left, right, in the middle, off to the side, above, below, like <laughs> everyone follows whatever science backs their ideology so even even nowadays like statistics and and and, and things it it's really just biased i mean people who say 
that oh my you know this is fact these scientists did it ah you know what for how long were people told cigarettes were fine for you right you know like come on man i mean you can find studies where marijuana causes you to go mentally insane like it's whatever whoever is buying it yeah Uh, we're asking you to do this study we're paying you five million dollars oh what what are you talking about five million dollars maybe more like 20 million (laughs) dollars to do this study to say that our cigarettes are good and that's why that's why for me i i'm and that's the re- one of the reasons behind the podcast is I like to hear everybody's opinion. I want to discuss with everyone. I'm not going to argue. Um, if if somebody's saying something and I don't agree with it, I might throw my, like, hey, well, what about this? What about that? But at, at the end of it, like, I'm not going to be like, oh, I, I, I hate you. You're a piece of shit. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go on the internet. I'm going to try to cancel you. Like, bro, why? I got, listen. For anyone whose opinion I don't agree with, I don't have the time or energy or care to um, cancel you, argue with you. When somebody posts on Facebook something that I know is bullshit, I know because I know them as a person. And I'm like, oh, you're just fucking fronting. They're just trolling you. (laughs) They're just trolling you. No, no, no. I'm saying like on their page and what they're doing, you know, I just I let it go because at the end of the day, I I don't care. And it really doesn't matter. Bottom line, we are... Oh, no, go ahead, sorry. I was saying, bottom line, we all have different opinions. So, out of respect, we should listen to people, see how they feel. We may fi- we may learn something new about what they're talking about. It, it, yeah, it brings us I- into the middle. But this idea of, well, no, it's going to be this way or this way. If you don't like it, then tough. It doesn't. That's not how life works. We have to be able to communicate and compromise. We have forgotten how to compromise. Well, and the other thing, too, is like, People only, uh, they only listen to what they want from a conversation uh, or even a Facebook post. You could post something like, uh, I could go on and I could post something now like, hey, Biden, where's our $2,000 stimulus check? That there's videos of him, uh, the two Congress, the congressional candidates in, in, in Georgia. Like They're saying $2,000 oh, check. Oh, they were saying 2000 So I could go on just... Just poking fun at the situation. Joe Biden, where's my 2000 And then you'll get all these people. They'll be like, oh, no, what about it? Fact, fact, fact. And they'll, they'll take videos of Biden backtracking and, and saying, no, this is what I see. like." But they won't show the other videos. And then they're just so enthralled in this. this it's not even a debate because they're just trying to tell you like you're wrong. And it's like, bro, I don't care. Like, yeah. You're over here blowing up my wall. And I'm just now I'm just feeding the trolls. I feed trolls. On a daily yeah. basis. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's terrible. I mean, I, I see it every single day. And now Ocasio today basically say, what's wrong with the Democratic Party? We can show the people how things are done right, but it's not even happening no more because the Democrats are not doing anything anymore. So she said it was sad to think that we went after Trump mm-hmm. about stimulus checks and all that, and we're not better. Yeah, but, I mean, you know... And I'll, I'll give it to Trump. He, he was telling them $2,000. Just do it. Just put it on my desk. I'll sign it. A bill that says just $2,000. Yeah. Why does the bill have to give money to, to other countries? And then people will argue, yeah, but foreign policy, we've been doing it for decades. Blah, blah, blah. No. Okay. But, you know. Take care of America first. We're this is, in a pandemic. Yeah, right this now. is a pandemic. Our people are dying. Our people are dying. Our businesses are dying. I mean, I understand foreign policy. But the bottom line is these countries, many of these countries that we're giving money to some of them we shouldn't even be giving any money to i understand the process but well we're trying right to, now, we're, we're trying to take care of ourselves we're first. trying to do the same thing that russia china and iran is doing to us right now and of people course. are eating it up right 
there's there's so much you know all these movements and this this this, this buildup of of division of, about stupid shit dr seuss was racist in these books or or aunt jemima was racist, bro these these kids in china who are paid by the government to just push this propaganda find people who will disperse it find organizations that will harp on it and just create this division among people the funding works in that sense, but Americans seem to be way more gullible because it's 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 it's, it's, well, it's happening here in America see, quick. My grandfather always told me when I was a kid, no country could ever defeat America, ever. The only way America can be defeated is from within. So China, Iran, Russia, Korea—they all learn. But we're not going to build yeah, defeat they won't them militarily. They, I mean, outside. Yeah, we're not going to build. We're not going to defeat America militarily, but by throwing this propaganda and dividing America, we will defeat America. They're talking about there's supposed to be another um, capital assault tomorrow, yeah. which is supposed <laughs> to be when President Trump oh is going to get um, inaugurated. <laughs> the Q because, and you know what's so funny? Because that date is actually the original um, date of um, inauguration for president. Uh, and and that whole shit is stupid to me too. Like, look in America, we are supposed to decide by voting, and people will say that the election was stolen. Okay, I understand your sentiments, but I think in reality the DNC had a really great ground game. That's why they wanted all mail-in ballots because they knew. That all mail-in ballots they could crush, and they did. And to be honest, <laughs> unless the GOP steps up their ground game nationally, I don't see them succeeding uh, in the next election, no matter how bad Biden does. I think that if the Democrats do not watch themselves, Trump will be um, president in 2024. He's already starting his run already. Yeah, and so true this too. is a scary thing because the Democrats are not watching out. The problem with the Democratic Party is to me they're the ones that started divisions they divided the democratic party when during the um biden and hillary clinton um run mm -hmm. they stole that election from bernie sanders the democratic party dnc um wasserman schultz and hillary clinton stole mm -hmm. that from bernie that's a fact and till this day in a democratic party people that love bernie Cannot stand Hillary. Yeah, that and divides people always people that love Hillary cannot stand Bernie. So, I mean, it's a big <laughs> division in this party. And you, we've seen it at the local level, both you and I. We've seen it yeah. working um, as um, members, elected members of the Democratic Party. And, like, I was vice chair for House District 29. You're secretary for the Democratic Party. We've seen it in our meetings how divisive it is. Yeah. People that's why two terms talk. was enough yeah. for me. I people said, cannot I'm even done. talk in our own party. How do we expect people from different parties to talk to each other? We have to retrain and we have to stop bickering and we have to stop this now. If not, America is going nowhere. I don't I don't see I, I don't I don't see how I don't see how we digress. I just don't. Um, because even let's just say that there was a terrorist attack. How everyone rallied on like 9-11, I don't see that happening because you're going to have, it's so split, you're going to have the QAnon people 
who are claiming that the Biden administration uh, planned it so that they could have some corporate interest or, or martial law. You're going to have the left who, who's going to blame Trump for whatever reason, for whatever bans he did. And, you know, it's just and it's just it's there's not going to be any unity. There's not going to be any, any sitting down, talking about it, discussing it. That's yeah. why I tell people, like, look, I'm just out here about, you know, just succeeding myself because clearly no one in Congress is, well, no, I won't say no one, but the majority of Congress, they're not looking out for me and my paycheck. No, you know, the not. legislature here, the state, they're not looking out for me and my paycheck because why they keep raising all the taxes? Why is, why is there nothing really to benefit me? So the politicians aren't here for us like some people dream about, oh, yeah, oh, you know, I'm going to... Mm -hmm. I'm going to campaign with that guy because he helped me. You know, it's like, no, no, the, that, and, and, they didn't and, do nothing for and, you. It's false. The people of Hawaii do not, first of all, let me rephrase that. The politicians of Hawaii do not serve the people. The people that elected them, they do not serve the people. It's the other way around. It's the people who serve them or glorify them yeah. for no reason at all. Our politicians do not owe the people anything. And that's their thinking. Yeah. The only ones our politicians owes anything want anything is the lobbyists yeah it is the unions it is the corporations that are buying them their votes that's who they owe and that's their loyalty it's no longer to the people the people have lost here in hawaii so we need to start rethinking about what are we going to do if we continue to vote the same way nothing in hawaii will change yeah and it's crazy <laughs> i uh, you know even when i ran for office um you know, I used to just tell people, like, well, just look, look around. Like, do you see anything different? Or is it all just the same? Is there still, you know, human fecal matter uh, right down the street where your kids are playing? Like, that's, ha have you seen any, any of your elected officials coming around, you know, knocking on doors? Hey, what's going on? There's a couple, but... You know, and that's just nationally everywhere, though. Like but, but people always... Ha, ha, have you stopped that one person from running around naked <laughs> while he's masturbating right yeah. here in downtown Chinatown? <laughs> or oh, even that scene where they had that couple having sex oh, right, yeah. right there in front of the bank. And, I mean, it must be really bad <laughs> that people were walking past and not even caring or looking. And, like, no one said nothing. Yeah. Have we just... All of a sudden, got blinded or don't even care no more about what's happening. And it's crazy because uh, when people hear about like L.A. and Seattle, they don't even fathom that Honolulu is Seattle number two. Oh, because L.A. is way out there. Like their population of homeless is like a hundred thousand or something. But per per population, we're the highest. Yeah, here in Hawaii, um, I've been to Skid Row in Los Angeles. I fed the people in. In Skid Row in Los Angeles. And let me tell you what. You bought I, meth down there too? <laughs> Screw you. <laughs> hey, yeah, that's something only that you do. It's probably but, cheap. <laughs> that's something that you do. But um, the thing is, when I walked through Skid Row to help, and when we fed the people out there, the churches and all that, people were really nice and really grateful. And these people tried. They had a lot of outreach out there going on in Los to help them. Here... I'm afraid these no, houses these are, that these we are have violent. are very violent people. They're attacking people. They'll ask you for a dollar, and I, I'm honest. I says I don't carry change or cash with me in Chinatown. I do not do that. A couple of <laughs> them wanted to beat me up, and you, as you know, I've already been mugged out here before yeah. because 
Um, I won't give them money, cigarettes, or whatever. So well, there was just know. there was just a video on. Uh, was it? It wasn't whole hungry hungry Hawaiian Instagram. It was the other one, Hawaii viral feed or something. I'll have to look it up. But uh, <laughs> I guess this this homeless guy here, Chinatown, Mauna Kea Street, kicked over some guy's motorcycle, and then the guy grabbed him, and his friend was like, "No, no, no, don't don't hit him," you know. And, and the homeless guy, you know, just kind of walked away. But yeah, that's every day. People's stuff is either getting broken into or they're <laughs> what do they do? they go from the um. The feeding place there, the nonprofit that feeds them, River of Life. River of Life, yes. And then they go across the street to the poor people's lay stand. They sell the lay. And they rip it down and throw things around, and so nothing was, happens. That's it. It just, just it, a daily occurrence. The, so it was Saturday morning. Ken and I, we went to walk around. Um, we talked to the business um, community businesses out here, to a lot of them. A lot of the lay stand places and all that. Other garment places. Um, by the way, this fashion place down here that you sell the suits and all that. Those do they're going? Formal. They're out of yeah. They're out yeah. of business. They're, they're done. I mean, and that's just one example. As we were going around, we we're taking pictures of all the businesses that are closing out here. And what people got to understand: many of them are done because some of them are done for COVID. But this has been happening years oh, here yeah. in Chinatown. So this has nothing to do with COVID. But as we we're going around and we we're talking to the people. At down here in Manakia, the lay stands and all of that. Very nice people. And some don't want to, some like, yeah, we're going to just stay out of it because they're afraid. Yeah. Others are like, look at my broken glass. Every time they come in broke, I mean, it's getting really yeah. bad out here. It's like They want help, but nobody wants to help them. They want to talk, but they know if they say anything or talk, nothing's going to happen anyway. So why yeah. even talk or get involved anymore? They're just dealing with it. And it's, it's hard because as bad as it is that Local tourists don't even come here to um, Chinatown anymore like they used to because the locals were a big part of Chinatown's economy. And then plus the tourists from the mainland. But if they don't come back, Chinatown will become a slum. This, this place cannot survive anymore. Yeah, and, and the problem is we allow the houses um, to do what they're doing. And people say, oh, you're not compassionate. Yes, I am compassionate. But does it, does it make me not compassionate? If somebody's taking a shit right down there and I can I'm on the 20th floor so I can see everything that goes down around here they're Creeper. taking a shit and they're pissing on themselves so you telling me that is compassion it is compassionate of me to allow them to do this are you kidding me hell no it is more compassionate for me to help them to get into a rehabilitation services to help them because obviously they have mental health issues and we need to address that in the state of Hawaii we have a lot of people dead on the streets that need to be removed off of the streets because of mental health issues. Yeah, but, but God, but if I there's no, remove them, then, to put them, then the ACLU is going to come against me. Yeah. I mean, I mean, and bottom line, we have to. The problem is we need to rebuild a great rehab rehabilitation center. I mean, I understand they got rid of the old ones because back in the old days they used to do lobotomies and all that. But things have changed. If we are compassionate people, we must help them. They want to put all the drug users into housing first. I think it's wrong. I think they need to use, I think they need yeah, to follow the, the model best, of U.S. That's the best response vets. to someone yeah, who's yeah, tweaking. Right. Yeah, so you put them in housing first. The bottom line, they're going to destroy all that. And the landlord's going to say, no, no, we're not taking no more anymore because that's wrong. U.S. vets is a model that they should be using where they stay at U.S. vets and they go through a program, a two-year program to get them off of drugs and it will help them. Yeah. And then after, once they graduated from that, 
U.S. vets takes money from them. Yeah, don't get me wrong. They take thirty percent once they get. They have to go to work. They take thirty percent of their working income, but they put it away for them so that they have something to use when they get out. When they get out, they help them find a place. Then they have a case manager follow them for the next five years. You cannot take somebody off of the streets that is on drugs and put them into a nice apartment. It doesn't work. The ones that should be going into the apartments first, it should be the houseless families. The mother and the father with children who are working but cannot afford to get a place because it's just impossible. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Those, these are the ones that need to go into housing first. Those that are on drugs need to go into rehabilitation first or through a program. Well, but see, that's the problem. Like, if you look at the... Because the can has been kicked down the road for so long, we don't really have the capacity to put the, all these people through the long-term care. And what's crazy is if we put, let's just say we put 10 people in long-term care, they're still coming from like the mainland cities that are sending them here. That everyone says, "Oh, they're not," but oh, okay, no, no, we, we know yeah. better. They are. Yeah, yeah we got like, it. Okay, so they come and you know, ten, but you might get like five. So there's always going to be this flow in. But one of the arguments, or not one of the things, but one of the ideas I had when I was running for state house was just, and it wasn't like a platform item, but just when I would talk to people was, you know, I would, I think it's it's. Um, it behooves of our congressional delegation to see something about seeking emergency funds to get funding to uh, construct or buy a building to refurbish to create a long-term mental health facility and to get continuing funds because yeah um, there are homeless coming from the mainland and, and it, we can't just be the state taxpayers from hawaii paying for the treatment but no. you got to do the, if you don't do the long-term care we're just going to look like Skid Row, which which I'm assuming we will well, anyway. Chinatown's already turned into Skid Row. Yeah. The problem is we do, we do need a rehabilitation center. That is a fact. And that's something that should have been done a long time ago. And to say that people are not coming from the mainland and it's just us is ridiculous because majority of these homeless out here are African Americans coming from Chicago, coming from New York. I know them because I go down and I talk to a lot of these homeless because I live right here. I try to help. I have um, friends that are caseworkers and trying to get them help. So it, it's we, you and I know. I work for the Medicaid system. Majority of the people that have phones from the Medicaid system have mainland area codes. Yeah. I mean, you're not going to tell me and, and they've just recently moved here because the mainland people are not stupid, and the people sending them here are not stupid. They said, we're going to send you to Hawaii. Warmer, you can live on the beach, you can live there. Per oh, this, is, is, this is what you do. You get off of the plane, <laughs> the first thing you do is you go ahead and get your snap. Your snap. Go right there to the office. It's located right there by Costco's on um, Dellingham. Once you do that, look at look across of that place. Um, go ahead and go to Midquest. Midquest, yeah. And boom, you yeah. got there. Because... We get it. Yeah, and can't turn so them, the problem can't turn is them down. We're paying for all these people to come in yeah. and get all these um, benefits while we're not taking care of our own people. And that to me is the crime. Yeah. And so we gotta say, you know what? Go out there, do a true count and be honest, state of Hawaii. When we find out people are not from here, send them back on a one way ticket. I just wanna say to the airlines out there, you have a responsibility to <laughs> 
I don't know about that. You, one. Yeah, you, the airlines, you have a responsibility. No one should be coming to Hawaii on a one way ticket unless they have a job here, they're coming to, they're going to school here, or they're moving back home. I know that would be unconstitutional. I get it. Yeah, but, you something do that. Ha- but something has to happen. The, the state of Hawaii needs to go ahead and challenge the 14th Amendment, the Equal Protection Clause. We need to challenge that. And, it's, and we know we're going to knock down, but we need to challenge it to get it to the Supreme Court and get a strict scrutiny behind us. Because we are an island nation in the middle of the Pacific, 2,500 miles from the nearest <laughs> land. Most of Congress you know? probably doesn't you know what even what know that. You know? They're probably so, like, they probably don't even know where Hawaii is right. on the map. So, so we're 2,500 miles from the nearest landmass. Hawaii is its own landmass. And the bottom line is, Hawaii cannot continue to take this influx of people coming here. It is not compassionate. So, you know what? Let's find out. Everybody that's not from here. So, if they don't want to go back, okay, fine. We call your state, the city you came from, and we start charging those states and cities for sending the people here. Because uh, a lot yeah, of these I people mean, that are here say straight out, oh, I got my ticket. The city of San Francisco paid for it. The city of New York paid for it. Yeah, the city well, of Chicago there paid for it. There was that article the, about New York. Yeah, but, I mean, hey, when I went to the state capitol and I testified, I said, no, as for a homeless package that Representative John Mizuno was introducing. And I went and I testified. And I, I like said, John Mizuno. He's good people. And I said, these people are coming from the mainland. Like, and it's okay, whatever. They're coming from the mainland. It's okay. They're allowed. They could travel. But for me, I don't care so much that they're coming from the mainland, that they're homeless. But it's like, you guys got to look at all of the layers. It's like a, an onion. You know, it's not just a skin on the no. outside. There's so much to the inside. Right. Like, you got, because they were trying to throw money at this and that. And it's like, yeah, but that, you guys are just throwing. And then we have to keep, continue paying for these things every year, but we're still not going after the, the main issue, which most people will argue who work with homeless, is addiction and mental illness. And none of the cities the, have the ability to deal with it because the lawmakers are not doing anything. Because the lawmakers are afraid to do anything about it. They refuse to do anything about it. (coughs) Excuse me. And this is the problem. Our lawmakers are not addressing the problem. What they're looking at is short-term, short-term answers. Well, the problem with short-term over long-term is easy. Short-term is like putting a Band-Aid on your hand and then ripping it right off. And it hurts when you (laughs) rip it off. The bottom line, it comes off. We are not looking at the long-term goals. We shouldn't be planning for five or ten years. We should be planning for a hundred years down the road. But we don't. And Cannot we need to because take care I gotta, of our people. You know, the campaigns are every two to four years. So you got to have those, and those talking points to no, put on your flyer. You got, man. No, and you got to, you got to have, you got to be a person with vision to see a hundred years down the road. You got to do that. If you do not do that, you will still stay in the same spot we always ask. We will never move forward. But, the problem is, is, is those visionaries don't run for office. If they do, they don't win. It's just, it's, it, it, at the end of the day, it's democracy. Yeah? It's up to the, to the people to but, vote. But at the end of the day, majority of the people do not vote. I think, if I'm not mistaken, this year, because the mailing voter, it was higher. But Hawaii usually is about only 33% of the registered voters that But vote. again, that goes to yeah. if... You know, there's a lot of these voters that walk around complaining, but they don't vote. They don't vote. They so, don't do hey, nothing. You so, got to vote. And, and this is our problem because people don't vote because uh, they don't believe anything will change. And that's the problem. But, and you got to gotta find a way to tell them things will change. No, it won't happen this time, this first time you vote. 
No, it's not going to happen. But it takes time for change. People are impatient. But you see, that's the People problem. People are yeah, impatient. Right? They don't want to hear that it's going to be 10 years, 20 years. So, you know, well, you they want to know. That, what are you going to do? That's it's got to start somewhere. What do you do? What's your plan? And then you give them the, the plan. They're like, oh, yeah, but that's like way down the road. You're like, okay, well, then uh, I'm going to section off a park and put tents there. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's great. That's great. Okay, okay. Uh, that's not a long That's not a long. No, no, term no. Plan, it, it, it's a Band-Aid <laughs> plan. And Band-Aid plans do not work. I mean, look at, take China. Let's take China, for example. Look at what they're doing. Look at them creating the Silk Road all over again. Oh, yeah. Look long-term at what plan. They're doing. They have a long-term plan. And if America doesn't counteract that real soon, America in the future will lose big time to China. And China has put themselves on a hundred-year term. You see, I see a lot of people coming in from China. And let me tell you what. They're happy. They've oh, got yeah. money. They've got a place to live. They're doing great. Yeah, and, and, they're, and buying they're buying up all all the luxury. They're buying all, luxury all the luxury places in the way. Don't get me wrong. I have Chinese family. You know, so I have a lot of um, first cousins that are Chinese. I have a lot of friends that are Chinese. And I, I love the Chinese. But I'm saying America, grow up. Look and think. Right. Move forward. Think of the long-term goal. Because China is doing something right that we're not doing right now. What do you think that is? The, for me, it's the, the visionary. It's the long-term well, look, goal. I mean, because, and they know. They understand. It's not going to happen today. But it's what they build today that's going to make it better for them in the future, 100 years from now. And well, what we got to think the same way. It's not going to happen today. But we're not building for ourselves. You and I are not building for ourselves. We are building for our generations to come. And that's what we should be thinking about, our see, generations to come. But see, our politicians, even our local, but mostly our congressional, like even them, it, apparently they can't even remember that people are struggling now and need money because now they're talking about they're going to lower the income um level for people who are going to get the next stimulus check and it's like wait no you don't get it you shut people's businesses down people couldn't work it doesn't matter what they made in in 20 what 2019 like you don't get it okay that's what okay was saying today exactly what okay was saying you guys don't get it. Yeah. Trump got it. You guys they forgot, don't get it. They forgot. They, they forgot. That, oh, yeah, there was a pandemic and everything was shut down. No one could work. Oh, yeah. So, you know, and, and, and it's so pathetic that they're even arguing over $1,400 to the American people. Oh, it's like, petty. And the American people should have been getting $2,000 a month from the first time it started back in April and May, um, in May when it came out. We didn't get nothing after that. Why? Because Congress could not come together to give us a bill. And so... I'm sick and tired of blaming the president, whether it be Trump or Biden. I'm blaming Congress at it. As oh, it yeah. Is. I mean, Congress does not come together. And if Congress cannot come together in a Democratic-owned um, Congress, that's something wrong. Because they own the House and they're 50-50 split yeah. in the Senate with Kamala holding the vote. You know? So if they, cannot, if they cannot come together, then it shows that the Biden administration cannot move forward. You but know, the Biden administration should, should, and in my intent, in my thoughts, should learn to compromise and try to bring the Republicans together. But you know, who can come together? We can. <laughs> We're gonna close it out. But uh, I just want to thank everyone for listening. And again, this is my homie Ernest Caravaglio. We're gonna go. We're gonna go hit the town. 
And then, uh, you know, with our masks on, of course. Of course. And then, uh, Ernest, I'll let, you, I'll let you close it out if you have anything you want to say. I just want to say, Hawaii, we deserve better. We deserve so much better. I want to ask you to be a, hold your representatives accountable for what they're doing. This is our home. This is our aina, which has been destroyed. This is our aina, which they're throwing us off. So think not about ourselves, but think about our future, our generations to come. Think about the next seven generations. How do we make it better for them? And look at the long term. And I can tell you, if we start preparing for the long term, we will be taken care of too. All right? Aloha. Love you all. Yeah. All right. Thanks again. And uh, catch you next time. Peace.